0: Today's episode of the Masked Man Show is brought to you by SeatGeek, our presenting sponsor and the only fan-friendly app for buying and selling sports and music tickets. SeatGeek makes buying tickets on your phone a total snap with just two taps. You can instantly buy tickets to an event that same day, have your tickets delivered straight to your phone, and enter the event without ever having to print a ticket. And if you can't go to the game or show, you can sell your tickets directly from the app in less than 30 seconds. I feel like this is really big for wrestling fans. Everybody talk, thinks about football and basketball, but like, just wrestling fans. We, like, we, you know, we're always buying extra tickets and needing to sell them. With SeatGeek, there's no guesswork. You'll know exactly where you're sitting and what you'll pay and whether or not you're getting a good deal all right from your phone. So drop that old ticket app and experience buying and selling tickets the way it should be. To start using SeatGeek, download the free SeatGeek app go to SeatGeek.com. The mass Man Show is also brought to you by BetDSI.com. The NFL season is in full swing, and it's time for you to get in on the action. I recommend BetDSI.com. With over 20 years in the business, BetDSI has built an impeccable reputation among all types of players. As one of the internet's top rated gaming sites, BetDSI.com offers safe, premium level service, including 24 7 live chat and phone service. You can safely wager on virtually every sport at BetDSI. They have hundreds of NFL wagers, college football, NASCAR, UFC, and more, including Trump versus Clinton. With their no hassle deposit system and fast, easy payments on their winnings, it's no wonder BetDSI.com remains one of the most popular gaming sites. Right now, BetDSI.com is beginning of the season. Special will give you 25 bucks free to try the service when you use the promo code BSPN25. That's BSPN25. Uh, use it and claim this limited time offer. And as a very special bonus, uh, you get 100% bonus added to your first deposit. Go to betdsi.com right now. Welcome. To the Masked Man Show, we're back again. It's Clash of Champions weekend. I'm sitting here in the Ringer Studios in Los Angeles with my dear friend Dave Schilling. Dave, you look really good in that sleeveless hoodie with the RKO logo <laughs> on it. I really want to commend you on that. How you doing today? I'm ready to strike, man. Um, it can it can come out of nowhere. Is the sleeveless hoodie an evolutionary
1: step forward for wrestling gear, or is it is it, is it, a, is it a step backwards? I think it's good for uh, Orton because he can show off his tattoos and it's it's part of his gimmick, but I mean I think he was better off when he was wearing suits and he was in evolution and he looked sharp. I was thinking about that during SmackDown when I watched it. It's like, ah, oh, Orton should go back to being kind of like a dapper cool assassin character. I'm not sure how in the in like if you want to let
0: him be himself to a certain extent. I don't know if he's a suit guy. Probably Maybe not. I've seen him in public a couple of times and he's very like when he was feuding with with Lesnar, that was pure that was pure undistilled Orton it was just track pants and a t-shirt and you know I mean that's what he wears when he goes to like fancy restaurants you know I mean it's that might not be true (laughs) but yeah I think that's Orton's most comfortable moment anyway um, I don't know why we're talking about Randy Orton I guess wrestling fashion is always current Um, but We were talking on the way in here about how there's too much WWE wrestling available.
1: I never thought that I would have that opinion (laughs) because I like wrestling. (laughs) But now I think about how many hours of my week are devoted to either watching it, thinking about it, uh, or talking about it. And it's starting to overwhelm me. And I think it's... Adversely affecting the ratings for Raw and SmackDown. Oh yeah, I think that, that there's no scarcity to wrestling anymore. I used to sit around waiting for Monday or well, Thursday when SmackDown was on Thursday. Yeah,
0: I mean, there are uh, there's so many ways to, to tackle or you know to tackle this this issue. Um, friend of the show Latoya Ferguson actually wrote a good piece today about how. SmackDown was a better go home show than Raw this week, despite the fact that Raw was the one actually having a go home show. But, like, and, and I thought it was a great piece that's on the AV Club. Everybody should check it out. Yeah, she's um, she's uh, one of the
1: best wrestling writers, besides yourself, of course. It was a writ, re-
0: well, I don't, I mean, as much as I write anymore, but the, but, but yeah, I mean, it was really good and and, and made a smart point. But one kind of interesting side note was she was, she was like, you know, No Mercy, which is the next SmackDown pay per view. She's like, Well, we still get they still actually have two weeks to build to No Mercy. And I'm just like like crying silently to myself as I read it, (laughs) where I'm just like, Wait, there's two weeks to a paper. We haven't even had Clash of Champions yet. And now it's and we already two weeks of yeah, whatever three weeks. Clash of Champions is
1: on Sunday. Yeah. I just watched backlash.
0: It's. it's I watched. Uh, I watched Raw this week with um, with Dan Saint Germain and one of his one of his friends uh, also named Dan and uh, and it's weird. It's. It was notable that we were that three huge wrestling fans were sitting in a room and there were a number of times throughout the night where someone was like, "Oh, did you see Cruiserweight Classic? Oh, did you see SmackDown last week?" And like the other two had just not seen it. Right. I mean, we we're all supposed to be giant wrestling fans and and. Uh, you know, the first few weeks of the brand split, I felt like they did a really good job of keeping things vital. Um, the the ba- wait, what, what did we just have backlash? Right, mm-hmm. backlash did the sort of bare minimum of keeping SmackDown pay per views relevant by putting the title on AJ. Uh, but still, it's just like I think the, I think the overload is
1: finally setting in. There are a lot of belts. There are a lot of pay per views. There, are, there's cruiserweight classic and NXT, and they're going to do a women's tournament. I hear a rumor about doing some sort of women's cruiserweight classic style event. It's network exclusive. Then you have to watch Talking Smack right after SmackDown. You're not even done with the show, and now there's an after show.
0: Yeah, um, I was I, actually watching watching Alexa Bliss and and Becky uh, on SmackDown yesterday, thinking why didn't they just do weight divisions? And the I mean, I know like I mean, it's 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 like UFC fighting, you know? Right. Just like make SmackDown the slightly lighter women, <laughs> and you can fudge it; it doesn't matter. But yeah. it's like they, like there're like the the delineation between the two women's divisions is so arbitrary, and like everybody has said, splitting the division up was probably not the best move for you know for i mean you, you can make the case either way, but if that were a floating title that both shows could
1: have women's wrestling, same right. with the cruiser, same with the tag um it's definitely uh cost Sasha and Bailey a lot of momentum it forces Dana Brooke to sort of be the only other person in the division constantly losing. Yeah. So she can't really build up any momentum on her own for when she does split with Charlotte because she has to keep losing because Bailey's being protected. Charlotte's the champion. Sasha's being protected. There's nobody who is just a pure jobber except for her. That's yeah, and on the wrong. people losing to Nia Jax. <laughs> right, exactly. Um
0: Yeah, I mean, we're jumping. I mean, jumping. We don't need to spend too much time on the women's division uh, in theory, but uh, I mean, why not? The uh, I I totally agree with you, and I think that um, it's hard to be booking just with the size of the roster. I mean, those the kind of limited size of the roster. That said, you know, a lot of the little touches that they've been doing along the way, when they they've been forced to tell these sort of uh, uh, these storylines that are they're sort of naturally compressed. I mean, I, like when when Charlotte uh, just like shoved Dana to the ground on Monday. That was like one of the most. I mean, that got me out of my chair. That was yeah. one of like the like kind of the most interesting moments I've seen in wrestling in a while because like that's not a thing you usually see in the women's division. Like right. physical aggression between friends or between mm-hmm. n- nominal partners. Um, but yeah, it's it's some interesting stuff. So um, we'll we'll get to the full we'll get to a full Clash of Champions preview rundown in a minute. Um, was there anything else that jumped out to you from Raw uh, that, that you want to get into before we get there? I mean, I think the biggest, most notable thing, you were talking, actually, here's a good segue. You were talking about how ratings are down, yes. right? Um, last week we had a note. For the show that we didn't actually end up talking about, but some just somebody posted on Reddit the theory that like raw ratings are down because there's no baby faces on the show because now, after Monday night, we do have a baby we do have a giant baby face on on Raw. It remains to be seen whether or not they waited too long and whether the crowd's going to accept them. but boy, oh boy, did Seth Rollins ever turn baby face on Monday. It
1: was remarkable to see his move set in service of mm. babyface sort of match structure because people have been saying for years like oh you know when he throws that falcon arrow that should be a pop you know a crowd pop moment as opposed to you know all the sort of like rest holds and and grinding that he's forced to do when that's really something that guys like the miz and kevin owens are great at because they're not necessarily as explosive or exciting when they're controlling a match they're guys who know how to sort of drag it along and understand the psychology of things. And Seth Rollins is is very dynamic. So I think all those people were right. I think yeah. his matches are going to be significantly better. Yeah. Hopefully he hurts fewer people. Yeah. Not that it's mm. his fault, but it is a thing that's been happening. And, and a lot of those moves, uh, you know, I think the, the turnbuckle powerbomb is something that he's going to retire forever. Because yeah. that feels like a heel a heel tactic as opposed to a face tactic. Yeah.
0: I mean, talking about hurting people, we obviously it's sort of... Beside the point, but that, but his uh knee to the back of Rusev to knock him off the little off of the entrance ramp, and then the the crossbody onto him, and even to a, to a slightly lesser extent, the the, the crossbody off the cage at the end of the show were about as tender a version of those various moves as you've <laughs> ever possibly seen. Yeah, um, and I think part of that is is you know working more safely. I think a lot of it's working babyface. You mm. know, you don't want to just be brutal. Um, And also part of it is doing weird spots that probably he's not done a million times in his life. Um, But yeah, I think that because, you know, I'm I'm really not knocking, I don't want to knock WWE for the way they've treated the Rollins character. I think that um, in my dream booking world, this is how you do it. You don't, you know, he doesn't get screwed over by Triple H and then suddenly start like inviting make-a-wish kids to sit ringside for his matches right. like it's not that's not how real human beings work so like the way that they're doing it with a little bit of nuance i'm totally behind that I, I i'm more interested in the sort of meta question of whether or not fans are going to be able to adapt when they when wwe does things in more interesting nuanced ways right so if they had, if the day that he came back from his injury if they had just been like he's a baby face now you know, having beat up all the bad guys, the crowd would have immediately been cheering for every move. It would have been fine. If he had come out the night after he got screwed over by Triple H and just cut a real babyface promo and just thanked the fans and, you know, whatever, they'd be reacting to him a lot differently. Now, he's been working in the ring in an increasingly babyface way since that point. But even on Monday night, where they were giving him the real babyface, you know, shine. Fans didn't know quite how to respond to the Falconero. You know, they're yeah. like what it, like they're, the the points in the match where we should, we will we hope that crowd the crowd will be popping in two weeks or three weeks. They're not there yet, right? Um, but do you? So what do you think? Do you think that it's going to work out? A and do you think that uh, that you know is the world ready
1: for babyface icon Seth Rollins? I think he has the chops to do it. I think that his his promo skills are slightly underrated. I still don't think he's as good as Kevin Owens on the mic or or even The Miz um or Ambrose, but he's he's up there. He's he's very good at that. So I think he can carry feuds uh through his his mic work. I think his in-ring work is spectacular yeah. when he's really locked in and this is going to benefit him this sort of change in role and there is precedent for WWE sort of subtly turning people they did that with the new day you know the sure. new day never really started like high fiving anybody or anything they just started working <clears throat> against heels yeah. i think it was the, the dudley boys was around that time yeah. when they were feuding with the dudley boys where they sort of both just switched sure uh, the
0: the difference is that you know there, there's there is a there's not a lot of historical context for a wrestling promotion not having a number one baby face right <laughs> you know i mean it's yeah. not like not having the one guy for kids to cheer for to, to sell the t-shirts now roman reigns actually takes up a lot of that that uh that airspace or whatever but but he's not he's he's by no definition
1: a number one baby yeah face, i'm still know? frustrated with how strongly they book him too not because i think that he's a bad performer Um, I think he's incredibly underrated Mm -hmm. his series with AJ. His matches with Kevin Owens these last two weeks have been great, and he's been part of it. Um, But he's clearly not that guy. And I think they have to cut their losses with him and really actually move him down the card and not have him main event Raws um, because I don't think people want to see that. It's a fun. It's funny because you can argue it both
0: ways. I, I think I agree with you uh, when it as it pertains to reigns, but at the same time, like you, I like in the brand split era. I love that we're in a place where, you know, the Miz in the main event last week on SmackDown in the tag match, like that felt really cool and fresh. Yeah. Because it's like, oh, this mid carder has earned. Well, I mean, what he's been all over the card, but <laughs> this this guy who was a mid carder two days ago is now has like really earned the main event on SmackDown. Yeah. Like, it made a lot of sense and it felt cool. Um, Roman Reigns is the, the best thing that, you know, the best use that they've made of Roman Reigns since his suspension is trying to trick us and successfully tricking us into thinking he was about to get that next title shot over and over and over again. Right. Yeah. And he does a good job of making other people like he made Kevin Owens in a certain way by being available for that, you know, for that role. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, I think now it's clear that he's, in this program with Rusev he's I mean the fact that they keep teasing him into the title picture in some ways is a great use of him or a great use of a wrestler of his stature I'll mm-hmm. say but yeah it's a, its always a little bit weird with Roman Reigns because we have that uneasiness that like we want to see a reset I mean yeah. even even those of us like you and I who aren't mad mad about Roman Reigns still would yeah like, like you said would be interested in a little bit of a reset move him
1: move him out of this this part of the card let Seth and Kevin Owens have their moment, have yeah. their feud. And right now we're still wondering what Triple H's role in this is. What, what, what is Roman Reigns uh, going to do with the title picture? And he's supposed to have a match with Rusev. So why is he going through the motions with Kevin Owens even though these are great matches? Yeah. I, I think it's just a symptom of the fact that Finn Balor got hurt. Finn Balor was clearly the, the guy they were going to use to carry them through the fall and into WrestleMania season. And what would happen after that, I don't know. But he was supposed to be set up as the top guy on Raw. Dude, I mean, I have
0: all the faith in the world in Finn Balor, but just hearing you say that, and you're right, hearing that said out loud made <laughs> made my stomach kind of turn because sure. I was just imagining that... That Finn Balor, Finn Balor would inevitably get be getting blamed for the ratings right now.
1: Yeah, he's probably better off being on the shelf, but it's not better for the show in terms of the creative and the and the story structure. Because I don't think they ever wanted Seth Rollins to be a babyface. This is just they're stuck with it and they're they're figuring out on the fly.
0: It's funny because when he was he obviously worked heel a lot in Ring of Honor, and I mean that was, uh, but but some of that was just the way he looked and the the you know he was very green. Um, and so, and kind of hooked up with the, with the heel faction to, to hide him a little bit, although he was one of the best workers, even at the age of like 14 or whatever it was when he was like doing jumps off the top rope. But the, um, but the, but he's, uh, when, when he came up through, not NXT, when FCW, um, Everybody thought he was going to just debut as a baby face or, you know, even even when the shield, when the shield broke up, everybody was assuming there's your baby face. He's there's your, your next Shawn Michaels. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, I remember how many years ago when I was like scouting the the, the shield guys, I said, this is the guy that Vince is going to look at and say what I couldn't have, like CM Punk wasn't mine. Jeff Hardy was never really mine. But if you put them together, like Seth Rollins will be mine and it'll be my version of that. Yeah. Um, but like, but he, he was immediately the heel, and I talked to Seth about this uh, on the record. I think that he where I was just like, this is kind of a kind of a surprising turn, right? I mean, right. and he was just like, dude, I can do I can do anything. This isn't
1: you know, and I want to do everything. Um, That's important in this business, in, in my opinion, as an observer, as not a, you know someone who's working in the industry, but someone who's a fan, is you want to be able to have variations. You want there to be a lot uh, of. Options, booking yeah, options. Sure. When you get stuck with someone who really can't play the other side, like the Miz, God bless the Miz, I love the Miz. But do you ever see the Miz really having a strong babyface run? You, Triple H sort of ended up being that way, where his his babyface run was a little stagnant and a little and a little weak, and they had to turn him pretty quickly after the after WrestleMania eighteen. Yeah. Uh, it's just, it, it, some people are better at, at one thing than, than the other, but it's, it's much better for the writers. I'm sure to be able to say, well, Seth Rollins, we really need you to be the top guy on the face side or, uh, Kevin Owens. I know you can probably turn, but we need you to be a heel or John Cena. Well, John Cena is a bad example. Actually, Never mind. <laughs> John Cena will Ooh. never turn heel. Well, it's a, re- it's an interesting thing now. And I think, and and I've been thinking about that
0: for a column I want to write, but it's, uh, um, you know, the, the just the question of the heel turn slash face turn and what it means in the upper ranks now. Like obviously, there's this idea of going in a more real, real sports. I said with air quotes, <laughs> real sports direction. Um, where everybody's just like they're fighters and yes you have like rivalries and some people get more fans behind them at times i mean i think that's the sort of general direction wwe's trying to go um not that they'll ever fully leave behind the trappings of you know face versus heel and everything um but if you look at you look at smackdown like which as i said had a great week this week we have john cena who is the one guy who's like the epitome of being a babyface, although he is—he was also the biggest heel in the industry for three years, uh, while he was the biggest, ba- like the 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 king babyface. Um, Dean Ambrose is uh, is pseudo heel turning on the strength of his rivalry with John Cena.
1: At the same time, though, slapping hands at the end of the show with the audience.
0: Yeah. Didn't that
1: seem weird to you?
0: I don't think so. I think that they're just letting him sort of like occupy that middle territory and see how the crowd reacts. Maybe right. that's the test. Maybe with the crowd yanks their hand back like too slow, Ambrose, then like <laughs> they'll look the other way. And AJ Styles was legitimately the biggest babyface in the company, if you gauge by crowd reaction anyway. Um, and they just turned him heel to feud with John Cena. Now I don't. I'm not saying that's a problem. Um, I think that we may be in an era where he'll sell more shirts. You know, we might, this might be in the NWO, you know, Renaissance or whatever. We might be in an era where it's easier to, uh, it's easier to maintain a character over this, over a career. If they're, if they're predominantly heels, you know, and not, I'm not talking about like, Monster heels or like despicable heels, but guys like the, the guys like Ambrose and AJ who just want to win really badly, you know. And if you look over on Raw, I mean, Kevin Owens is working heel in a way that like nobody this side of Paul Heyman knows how to do, but
1: he's still like the most one of the most beloved fighters on the roster, right? Yeah, um, I think that's a, a a symptom of the audience for WWE getting so much older. And I, th- yeah. I think it was Dave Meltzer or someone who reported th- this this data that it's the average age for a, a WWE viewer is in their forties. Wow. It's like getting very old and they're not getting the this sort of like Hulk Hogan, Shawn Michaels, Bret Hart fans that you know, the, the kids who when I was growing up were really into it and grew up to be adult fans. Now they don't what's the next generation of wrestling fan. So right now they're dealing with a lot of people at the live events who Probably just hate the idea of like the raw raw baby face. Yeah. Uh, and so Seth Rollins, Kevin Owens, uh, Ambrose, all these people that have sort of heelish tendencies get big, big entrance pops. Uh, they get cheered uh, against sort of generic, happy, smiley people like Apollo Crews, who if maybe he turned heel that would help his career a little bit because well, it, I think there's a lot of thing a lot a lot of <laughs> there's a lot you, that Apollo Crews needs could, to do you could do. fantasy
0: book Apollo Cruz in a lot of different ways yeah. then, besides just turning him heel Did he he lost clean on on smackdown
1: oh yeah yeah that was that, it wasn't quite a squash but it was, but baron, it, was it was just corbin. a setup for the Baron Corbin Jack Swagger feud that oh we've my. all been waiting for oh my god i don't understand and i don't want to go off on a huge tangent here but baron corbin Always without fail gets put with some of the worst possible opponents. Every single angle that he's done has been someone who he has to carry, but he's not ready to carry anyone. If it's Callisto, uh, if it's uh, Apollo Crews, and sure. now Jack Swagger, these are three guys who don't really have a lot of heat right now, and the poor guy is stuck in sort Yo, so of you're, limbo. You're,
0: you're talking about carrying them in terms of just like the heat, like the hype of the match. And yeah. Stuff. Yeah, I mean, I I mean, I could I could spend an hour fantasy booking, uh, fantasy booking him, and not quite and never come to a a good conclusion. I mean, we talk. I've talked about him on previous shows where it's like they're kind of booking him exactly right, but like it's just not the place or time or particularly the guy. Like it's. I mean, there was a lot. I remember there was that brief rumor that he was going to uh, six months. Whenever when was it that he was going to. team up with ambrose and and reigns when they were having a six-man tag match with like a mystery partner was it like a Summerslam match i'm like i'm trying i'm trying to piece it together now because i was at the match live um and wwe had done this hilarious thing where they like leaked like the like someone got a got an instagram of like the ring entrance that they when they were prepping it that day and it was him and everybody got went off that but like in retrospect i mean baron hanging out with dean ambrose is not the worst idea you know him just kind of being like not quite sean diesel but just like they look like dudes who might get a beer together exactly
1: yeah um i would love that i would love for him for for ambrose to have a stable or 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 a manager or a bodyguard or an enforcer or something yeah to just to freshen up his character a little bit sure yeah i mean it's just like
0: yeah, People I mean, Amber seems of like it. the kind of guy where it's just like, if you can hang, then like we're gonna be okay. Yeah, if you can make it, if you can survive the car ride with me from like, <laughs> you know, St. Louis to Topeka, then like we're good. Uh, and, and that could be part of his on-screen character, you know. And I almost feel like there, you know, there was a no factions. There was a seem. There seemed to be an unofficial no factions rule in WWE for a long time, but you're always. Well, we, or like, I, may, maybe I should just say the fans. The fans remembered the Four Horsemen and the Dangerous Alliance and whatever else, what much more fondly than WWE ever did, right? right? So there'd be like Nexus, there'd be like the Force of Nature faction, but never just like the we're four guys who are on the same wavelength or whatever. You get the social outcasts now, and I mean obviously there's a lot of counter examples. Um, probably because they're holding it in check for like things like the
1: shield. They want the shield to really matter when there's three guys, you know, that, right. it's that not team just, up. Right. Oh, let's get Jimmy Hart and five dudes who have nothing to do and make the first family. Yeah. There's there's nothing like that. And I think it would be really beneficial for all these dudes who really don't have a lot going on.
0: Yeah, I mean, you have to imagine that if Paul if they gave Polly a new dangerous alliance and he could and it was, you know, three current wrestlers and maybe one like you know one or two people from the ndc or from nxt they're calling up and just say like this is my new fact like that would be such a big moment in wrestling for all of the fans like us uh, and you know in general that like it would necessarily be the, the a storyline for the next two months right and but then it has to have a payoff it can't just be a, fa- a faction it,
1: it's hard but then yeah you see what what happened with the nexus and it's you you question whether or not they can pull that off yeah, it's tough. It's tough for a faction. The faction has to exist outside of a single
0: storyline, and that—that that I think is tough because this gets around to the entire. This put a lit, put a lid on this whole conversation. The if the fan base is indeed aging, and certainly the fact that we're sitting here having this conversation and it's being uh, produced as a as a podcast for the Ringer uh, is some evidence to that to that point. Um, and there's too much programming, um, and there's this ongoing question of like what the audience, not who the audience is, no, so much as who the audience WWE is booking for is because they kind of have to make everybody happy. I think that to me, the problem with the amount of content is that it's a, is that a, they make it all feel mandatory, which is fine. That's the promotional job. But, but in part of that, it's going to be us wrapping our minds around what is not mandatory, but B there's a lot of monotony. Now, NXT feels a little different. That's why we all love it. It's why we love Lucha Underground. That's why we love, you know, go to PWG,
1: go to Ring of Honor, whatever. Um, TNA even. I mean, they've done oh, some cool stuff. Delete Decay I yeah. finally watched. And I was just <laughs> horrified and also completely delighted yes, by the whole right? thing. Um, but, and the Cruiserweight Classic is probably the best example of
0: making something feel very different. But at the end of the day, it's not that different. And if you're producing... Uh, you know 10 hours of necessary content every week especially for an older fan base um we got to have some variety we've man. seen it all i love mr robot i'm not going to watch 10 hours of mr robot this week you <laughs> right. know even yeah. if if they put it out there like I, there's just no way yeah um and i think that you know we they wwe i think by branding things more differently that will allow us to understand which things which shows are going to be our cup of tea. Mm-hmm. We all complain about the video packages because we all feel like we've seen all of this stuff before because we have, because we like watch all the shows, you know, but if you're only, but if you, but the video packages are not a big deal. If you're not watching, if you're only watching one of the shows or two of the shows, it does help you keep up, you know? So, you know, maybe, maybe there's a, maybe as the brand extension goes on, we'll get a more of a split. We'll get more of a, some, some feel for that kind of stuff. And listen, uh, They've not done—I mean, the Cruiserweight Classic was, all, all, every, all things considered, a great success. Um, now, the fans on Monday Night Raw who were, who were literally sitting on their hands as quiet as they could be for that Cruiserweight match might disagree. I, I mean, don't think all of them were
1: keeping up with the network. God only knows how many people actually watch this stuff. And so it's hard to gauge. Granted, when an NXT person shows up and they get a huge pop when they, when they debut— it makes you think, oh, people are watching NXT. That's getting over. Yeah. But we don't really know if the Cruiserweight Classic got over. I mean, we can't look at t-shirt sales or how, how that stuff works out because TJ Perkins doesn't have a t-shirt yet. So who knows, man? I want to
0: talk more about those. I, would, I actually have a great t-shirt idea. But before we talk about my t-shirt idea, Dave, I think I, fe- I, I think I can say with some confidence that you wear underwear every day. Absolutely. There's nothing really more intrinsically pro-wrestling than briefs. Well, it's dudes walking around in their underwear. Yeah, all exactly. We all wear underwear. Most of us do, anyway. Uh, and I think uh, we can all agree it's it's time to try something better. That's why the Masked Man Show this week uh, is sponsored by MeUndies. MeUndies has created you the world's most comfortable underwear with a blend of fabric that's three times softer than cotton. When you feel awesome from the inside out, you look awesome from the outside in. That's a, that's a good catchphrase. And when you upgrade your undies game, everybody wins. Life feels better in Me Undies. Me Undies is made from modal, a fabric that's three times softer than cotton. They have tons of colors and patterns and fabrics. You can get your billy your billy gun shorts if you want. You can get your uh, your your boxer shorts. Like uh, like who wears
1: the boxer short? Like Brock Lesnar. Yeah, um, that, well, those are swimming trunks or something, right? Yeah, right but they,
0: we have every wrestling style. <laughs> They've assured me that they're working on the Andre the Giant single strap. Um, oh, oh we'll, we'll, I pr- Underwear technology has to get there soon. I wear me undies all the time. There's nothing like getting like really comfortable underwear just for doing a podcast. I think that's all I really ever wanted when I started this career. And, and honestly, there's nothing like it. It's uh, the most comfortable, easiest thing I could have possibly done. When I tried my first pair, I was hooked. For a limited time only, MeUndies is offering you 20% off for your first order at MeUndies.com slash Masked. That's M-A-S-K-E-D. If you don't love your first pair, it's free. You have no excuse not to try my favorite underwear brand. Make sure you go to MeUndies.com slash Masked to get 20% off your first order. Just tell them the Masked Man sent you. The Masked Man Show is also brought to you this week by Dollar Shave Club. Guys, you don't need to choose between price and quality to get an amazing and affordable shave. DollarShaveClub.com is the answer. Dave you have a nice beard?
1: Oh yeah thank you do you use, do you, you, you shave that yourself uh, I use various creams and oils and then yeah shave it with uh, with something disposable but I'm intrigued uh, at other options I was gonna say it looks like you go to a professional but I think not quite it might look better if you uh, if
0: you partook in Dollar Shave Club you can go to dollarshaveclub.com order some razors from them to, to prove how amazing their shave really is right now They're going to give you the free first month just to join just for joining the club. DollarShaveClub.com delivers amazing razors right to your door for a third of the price of what the greedy razor corporations charge. Greedy Razor Corporations, one of my favorite failed heel factions uh, in NWA history. Uh, Seriously, there's no reason to deal with a drugstore hassle and the battle of the locked up razor fortress ever again. Just go to dollarshaveclub.com and pick a razor that works for you uh, from their lineup of amazing blades. That's all there is to it. You go there, dollarshaveclub.com, you pick a razor, they send it to you, the end. You get a first class shave every time you use uh, the executive blade, and when you use their uh, Dr. Carver's Shave Butter... The blade just gently glides across your face for the smoothest shave maybe ever. With Dollar Shave Club, you can look, smell, and shave like a million bucks without paying for it. So here's your chance to see why over 3 million members like me love Dollar Shave Club. Dollar Shave Club is so confident with the quality of all of their products that now you can get your first month of the club for free. You just pay shipping. After that, it's just a few bucks a month. No long-term commitment, no hidden fees. There's no reason not to do it. Get yours at dollarshaveclub.com slash masked. That's M-A-S-K-E-D. dollarshaveclub.com slash masked. I appreciate you sitting around through that wonderful ad. You're talking about TJ Perkins t-shirts. Now, I had this idea this week. I'm sure a million people have had this idea before, but this is my WWE please steal my idea pitch of the week. Ready? At the end of pay-per-views, like the live show, why do they not have t-shirts for whoever just won the title like they do when like somebody wins the NBA championship? That's a great idea. You, at the end of a show, even like especially the successful shows, when you go to SummerSlam, you go to WrestleMania, when you're most hyped up is when you're on the way out and there's no t-shirts left. There's no men's larges anyway. I mean, right. unless you're just like unless you desperately want, you know, the
1: social outcast shirt or whatever. Extra whoever, whoever large it is. and small goes the fastest, but then large is hard to get too. Yeah, yeah,
0: I mean it's it's tough. It's tough to get the right size. When you're you're walking out, you're like, Holy shit, AJ Styles just won the title or Dean Ambrose or Seth Rollins, Kevin Owens, whoever. uh, When you're the most excited about the guy who just won or the woman who just won, they should have champion. They should have T-shirts. Just say like, "It's SummerSlam 2016. Finn Balor is your new champion." Whatever. Just have like really simple text. Just those crappy T-shirts they do every time the Spurs win a title or whatever, and just sell them for 25 bucks out of boxes that people are streaming out. Like, who who's not going to buy that?
1: People would do that as a memento of the occasion. Yeah, they have the memento shirts, but there's it just has the matches. Right. It's like what? I don't get it. I think there's still sort of a fear of acknowledging too much that this is Scripted. Script,
0: script, well wait, but they do this in real sports and oh, it's not, you just print twice as many shirts
1: and you send the rest to, you know, starving children somewhere. WWE doesn't even really have to do that. Well, here's another problem, right? What if someone is like, oh, they're printing a bunch of Finn Balor t-shirts where he wins the title well, at SummerSlam. That's actually, uh,
0: that's a really good point. Although we don't really get that many leaks. There is a, there's like a WWE merch Twitter account that seems slightly unaffiliated, um, So maybe there are some leaks that I'm just not, that I just haven't made myself aware of, but like, you think that there would be somebody saying, hey, by the way, we're printing three different Finn Balor shirts and SummerSlam's coming up. Maybe this is meaningful. Like
1: if there were going to be leaks. Right. But it's, it's one thing to say, oh, they're doing a, they're doing this new Kevin Owens raw t-shirt. You don't know that that means Kevin Owens is going over. In that, in yeah. that, uh, was it, a fatal four-way or triple threat match or whatever well, it was.
0: Listen, if it's really that big of a problem, they can probably get some T-shirt machines in Titan Towers. Like they could just print. They can be the <laughs> in g- secret, yeah, on, under cover of darkness. I don't know. That might break some like like monopoly laws or something. If you're like if you're doing if you're if you're expanding horizontally instead of vertically or whatever. But the um, but yeah, it's a. I just think that would be so cool. Like I've bought, I'd say ninety five percent of my wrestling T-shirt purchases in my life were were just crimes of passion. Yeah, you know, I mean, I'll come I bu- home
1: and I've had too many drinks and I'm like, I really want a Sasha Banks tank top. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, what? when am I going to show my arms anywhere? I have Nowhere. A, yeah, exa- yeah.
0: <laughs> I have a Sasha Banks shirt that I proudly wore at WrestleMania this year and that was the last time I'll wear it. Yep. I mean, maybe I'll find another use, but, th- but like... Um, I went to 2 days of PWG and they and I told I said on the podcast but like all of the wrestlers sit around before the show in and at intermission and after the show they sit around the ring just like selling all of the various t-shirts. It's really cool and I refused to buy one because I was like once I buy one I'm going to buy 20. Yep. And at the very end of the last night I was walking out and I was just like forget it and I walked over to Tommy End and I was just like all right this is the last time you're ever going to be wrestling an indie show. You're going to be WWE champion. to think you're great. Like I'll have whichever of those two shirts you can grab in a large. And he was like, "I got no larges." And I was like, "You know what? Probably for the best."
1: <laughs> yeah, you you uh, dodged a a, I a very
0: need, expensive bullet. I'm not gonna walk around Los Angeles
1: looking like you know I'm in a like thrash band or whatever. Yeah, like, that's I, I hide all of my wrestling t shirts. It's so ridiculous, but I still buy them. Um, but you you bring up a really good point: is that there are some things that real sports, not real sports, but you know non scripted sports do. That professional wrestling should start to bring into their their uh, product. They're into already their... starting. So, like, what are your ideas? Well, I mean, all the cruiserweight classic stuff where there's you know leaderboards and they they have statistics and sort of analysis that goes beyond. The heel-face dichotomy. Because we sit through Raw and SmackDown, and we have the, the three-man teams where it's the play-by-play guy, and then sort of a, a comical heel, sure. and then an incredibly generic punching bag. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, that doesn't really do that much to get over the, pro- the product anymore, because we're all too savvy, yeah we 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 can't be manipulated the way that they think that we can, and they're not playing to the idea of this being a competition you the, know having a point structure for wins and losses to make it meaningful, and so you know oh this guy's moving up the leaderboard and he or she is in line for a title shot coming up so that it's not always like, well, we just need to mash these people together or do a run-in or something. It would structure the whole product in a, in a, a, a more logical fashion. I think that they haven't done it is just I think, stubbornness I think
0: that's a good idea I think you know I, I've I've done low-key rants about the announced teams in the past and it, I always find it funny that like I, I really enjoyed David Atunga his first like two weeks trying out on Smackdown before the brand split right I thought he was, igni- he was a breath of fresh air um, certainly JBL is a great example of somebody who every wrestling fan was head over heels for for about a month and a half right and then it fa- I mean honestly I think that I love Moro. I think that I put the over under on fans turning on him at like five months it's like, already kind I, of started with all of the pop culture references and the, and his he is more over the top than Michael Cole ever was and that was one of Michael Cole's like he knocked knock Michael Cole for now he does it in a different
1: way and it's really it's sometimes very entertaining but um there's but, there's more I think um sort of self-awareness to to than there is with Michael Cole um yeah it's it not tainted not tainted is a by sort it. of
0: Joey Styles sort of like yeah. it's like he
1: can scream, like, this is the biggest moment in wrestling. And you're just like, oh, it yeah. is. You're right. Okay, that's yeah, fine. Yeah, this is okay. Um, I, I also think that JBL really is playing three different characters. Yeah. He's playing JBL the heel. He's playing JBL the sports announcer who actually knows about the, the matches and is is a really, like... Um, astute observer of the business and yeah. of of what a match is. He he understands that and every once in a while he says something really profound. And then he's also on the third level, someone who is f- obviously friends with a lot of people in the back and yeah. still part of the product and and a host on on WWE Network. If he just picked one, <laughs> like yeah. one persona, it might work.
0: Yeah, I mean, the thing is like and WWE has i understand the idea of having the raw team and the smackdown team make the shows feel different and like unique entities you sit them at different spots um by actually going to what you were saying about the former wrestler thing like that was one of a weirdly awkward moment on raw this week where michael cole just was like "Corey graves you've had a lot of massive injuries in your career how do you, th- what do you think this wrestler is going through right now or whatever it just seemed like a little bit inappropriate i don't know why but um but my, you know, my, my the one the idea that I had a million years ago that I still that I that I still abide by is that like we shouldn't have set announced teams. Like you turn on basketball, like like college basketball on Saturday on ABC, like you don't know what announced team you're getting. You know, the, like you if you if you're a student of the sport, you know what like the pool the potential pool of announced teams are. You know, but. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that, like, honestly, like, I've made this case before. Michael Cole should just be your pay-per-view announcer. Like, he's the he's the play-by-play guy that matters, and it signals to you, like, this is a big this is a big event, right? right. And let him, like, be a manager of the guys in the back, and he'll occasionally pop up on Raw or whatever. But, like, it would just be interesting. Like, I would like JBL a lot more if I
1: didn't know I was getting him every Tuesday, right? Didn't they sort of do that with JR for a while, where it was, like, in the period as the like the end of his career, he would sort of pop up? When it was it, it mattered.
0: Well, I think there was there were some there were certainly some WrestleMania matches where the veterans who were in them lobbied to, for Jr. to be calling the match. Like yeah. he was, yeah, it was when he was still employed, but and you know I think he was still under his initial his original like full time employment contract, but wasn't being utilized very much. Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, listen, I, I there's I think I don't I don't I hate when people kill the like rag on the announcers because I think they're all generally talented people but it's just the it's again it's the monotony and that's the thing that
1: WWE needs to break, you know, break their break themselves yeah, out it's of. It's formula. I I think you combine the the glut of content with the formula being used so often in all of this content and going back and rewatching old stuff. Like I'll watch an old raw every once in a while and I'm like oh it's basically the same formula. Yes. Um so if the announced teams were given a little bit more free reign if there was a – they didn't have to fit into these, you know, heel-face dynamics. If there was only one person, like they used to do with Joey Styles and ECW, where it was just him. Or you have, uh, you know, of Daniel Bryan every once in a while doing commentary. Just something to make it feel different. Yeah. Well, listen,
0: it's – in some ways, they have the opportunity to do more – to be, you know, more different – then for the shows to be more different than one another, but the way that it's just such a barrage now, of pay per views and and whatnot, uh, that that it's they put themselves in a weird position. You know, I mean, it's not it's not super easy for them to to differentiate the two shows when um, you're so bleary eyed from watching wrestling that you don't know which show is on right now.
1: Yeah, I mean, we've gotten through like thirty minutes of this show already, and we've barely talked about Clash of Champions, and Listen, it's on Sunday. That is a great. The semi-segue that
0: we're going to just take full advantage of right now. Clash of Champions, this Sunday, it is the first Raw pay-per-view of the brand split era, correct? Yes. Um, They've uh, done—Raw's been doing a lot of things well. I agree with Latoya's piece. It wasn't the best go-home show on Monday. But in a general sense, I think the transformation of Mick Foley over the past month has been really, really impressive. He is a legitimate authority figure, something I didn't honestly think he was capable of at this point in his career maybe a little bit too much of him on monday night i think he got more screen time than he did when he was wwe champion but like <laughs> he um but but at but like as an actor playing a role he's as good at that as you could ask for yeah um stephanie i think they're using in the right amount um kevin owens i think also like they could be uh you know dan i think it was dan saint germain when i was watching it with him was sort of making the complaint that like in a three-hour show oh no was, i think it was the other dan but anyway it was um you know when you watch on hulu you get a really different impression because it's condensed to 90 minutes um and it feels sort of like an old wrestling show where like the champion is taking up 40 of the 90 minutes right. in one for, in one way or another the the opening promo the match he has the sitting at commentary just some backstage segments because they get all the the high like the main event stuff gets into the Hulu version, mm-hmm. and you miss the the cruiserweights or whoever. Although I don't know the answer to this, I meant to check to see if the cruiserweights would made it onto Hulu because that is sort of a meaningful question. Yeah, um, I'm sorry, I don't know the answer. I'll I'll put it on Twitter or something, or someone can tweet me. But the um, but Kevin Owens, I feel like they're using in the right amount. If it gets if there's a little bit too much of everything, um, the women's angle has been really good. I feel like, but I mean, just overall, and you know, Rusev Reigns, well, let's just go match by match because I feel like there's things that are, they're doing right. Um, <clears throat> pre-show featuring Alicia Fox versus
1: Nia Jax in this grudge match that, well, you know, Get perfect it. place to put this match is the pre-show because it's going to be a squash. Um, it'll probably be five, five to seven minutes of, you know, Alicia will get some offense in, uh, and then she'll she'll get pummeled. Yeah. I'm trying to think. like who was the who was the uh, who was the equivalent of this in
0: like the Rusev push? Like was it like Big E or like Jack Swagger? Who got the first
1: Who got the first match? Where the first not completely squash match? I think it was Jack Swagger because I was actually going back and trying to understand jack swagger through youtube clips because he, <laughs> he's a such terrible a terrible life he's man. such That's... a mystery to me of like why is he still on tv and, and all of these things and why don't they repackage him he comes out turns babyface with zeb coulter and is defending america yeah. against against rusev um and that sets up some match and i think that was the, the his first like match where he actually had to fight rusev yeah Yeah. and then of course he goes over
0: swagger i mean listen if you want to understand jack swagger go back and watch when he was smackdown champion this is it this is like 30 years ago now it, (laughs) it seems like but um he was briefly SmackDown champion, and he had a he had a eagle mascot that came out to the ring with him. It and was it a was, dark time. It was, it was, it was I time. loved that era. He like he cut his right after he won the title, didn't he? Have a big promo with
1: like all of his like high school trophies in the ring, and he's like just he just I, there's not a lot of charisma there. But why are we talking about Jack Swagger? That's a, a good rock question. for view. Um, it'll be a, it'll be a short match. She's gonna go over, and I wonder, you know, if this is the moment where they elevate her to the title scene if this is the last thing that she does because there's not really anybody else for her to to go yeah, against. I mean what's the what would be the next raw pay-per-view I'm gonna see if Wikipedia
0: is actually differentiating I think what is the next one um, no they're not sadly but um it's whatever's after no mercy but I mean you could um it's interesting because on Smackdown it there's a chance that we're heading to wait wait who won the tag team match on Smackdown you mean the 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 Uso's match? Yeah, the did the Uso's win? Uso's yeah, it's Uso's versus um Slater and Rhino for the titles. For the again. titles, yeah. Right. They had that yeah, Us- I remember Slater talking about it backstage now. Um but there was a moment where it seemed like we might be heading towards a pay-per-view with two tag team matches where it was like the Uso's um American Alpha have, having a grudge match that was not did not have the title involved and mm. I was like that's different and sort of interesting um you could definitely see a scenario where there's a raw pay-per-view where bailey and sasha have a match where the title's not involved and then it's like charlotte nia Jax or charlotte or you know some some variation of those four women right um and that would be great so uh
1: you're so i think we can agree that nia Jax is going to win that one uh i would be a, a fool uh, and I should be kicked off of this show if I said that Alicia Fox is going to win this. Alicia match.
0: Fox is criminally underrated and deserves a push. I hope that she wins, but uh, I I think that the I think the the betting line should have more to do with the time she spends uh, not getting beat. Right. Um, the next match is cruiserweight championship match. This is a real thing now. Mm-hmm. T.J. Perkins, the shocking winner. Sorry if you haven't seen this, guys. The <laughs> shocking winner, to my mind, of the cruiserweight classic. Uh, and new cruiserweight champ versus again to me kind of a shock the brian kendrick is the number one contender um sam donsky uh, texted me last night or yeah texted me during um raw where he was just like i guess like i like brian kendrick as a contender and i guess it makes sense in so much as like he's kind of the only guy on the cruiserweight roster with a storyline being that like he was fired once and now he's back you right. know like
1: he's uh, held the titles in wwe before yeah isn't doesn't he well they're they're now the second longest tag title reign of all time kendrick and who, who was his partner uh spanky kendrick and um, uh paul london yeah exactly they were they were they had the record for, really? for the longest tag title reign until the new day broke it that's
0: crazy i didn't i literally didn't realize that um how do you feel about tj perkins as your
1: champ who do you think is going to win this match I don't want to be that guy who th- who who throws cold water on the cruiserweight division after one night, but I think this is going to not go over well with the live crowd unless they do a lot of high spots and and turn in a five star classic. Um, I don't expect it to be a five star classic. I expect it to be a. F- 10 minute match, and I think TJ Perkins is going to win because what the hell is the point of switching the title when he hasn't even defended it yet? I
0: think so. I think you're right. I think Brian Kendrick turns really heel, works or at least works really heel in this match. And, uh, and yeah, they just try to you you got to just sort of insinuate this. And in some sense, again, this is the same thing with some of the women's division issues that they've had, uh, with with you know, getting the fan acclimating the fan, same thing with the Seth Rollins heel turn to some extent. WWE should not base the future of the of the cruiserweight division on the reaction this gets on Sunday. Nor should they. Like right. I mean, they they need to. They, you just got to keep plugging,
1: and and let this become the new normal, sort of. And, yeah, people and, have to be used to it. The first cruiserweight match on Nitro wasn't, like, people in the aisles ripping off their T-shirts and throwing them into the crowd because they were having such a great time. Right. It was just a wrestling match. And Eric Bischoff had the... Maybe not the foresight, but at least the, the, the desperation required to just keep doing it because he had such a, a, a long show to fill and he yeah. had to have something different. And Ross certainly... Has a lot of time to fill and need something different. So whatever happens with this match, Here, they just had to keep going. Here's what I liked about the match on Monday. Well, one thing so that Cedric Alexander is just
0: is they're they're just gonna let him be a slow burn. I mean, like if anything's gonna matter in this division, it's Cedric Alexander eventually claiming the belt, right? right. Um Graham Metallic I I don't, I like that guy. I don't, I I guess I was just staring at him, wondering like, why is is there, would there be a problem with having a luchador who wasn't in full superhero garb?
1: Like, can he not just wear a mask and also, and just like a jacket? Like, what um, was cool about Rey Mysterio when he came to WWE was he's wearing the mask, but he's also a regular person with a mask on. Yeah. And, And I always thought that was weird that he even put the mask back on because he unmasked when he was in the filthy animals. Oh, oh yeah. Remember that horrible stable? It's the, the, one of the shocking things is how little evidence of his unmasked period there is
0: on the internet. It's
1: like if very you if you little. Google
0: Ray Mysterio face, you get like the same one photo. I'm sure there's a million of them out there, but um yeah, it's it's still it's like people the, the internet
1: has forgotten or at least most fans have. So. I have one embarrassing thing that I have to reveal is this week I watched Halloween Havoc 99. I watched I watched the whole thing. Wow. I don't know why. I Wait, think there what was, was ninety nine? Was that the. That was the first Vince Russo, Ed Ferrara pay-per-view. Oh. That was the one where Hogan lays down for Sting. Anyway, the point of it is, Ray comes out without his mask, and I forgot yeah. that he ever unmasked. It's crazy. But uh, the the Cruiserweight division would do really well if they brought Kalisto over from SmackDown. I don't know why he's on SmackDown. It's weird that,
0: they're, it's weird that they did not choose to make Calisto or Sinkara or Neville or you know any of the if anybody just put him in there to I mean maybe they'll integrate them later on and certainly if you're going to have a hard weight limit then a lot of people a lot of everyone except for Calisto is is exempt uh, yeah. or um, Neville would probably have to lose a few pounds cuz he's he's pretty thick as much I I was sort of surprised although it helps his character I was surprised with the fact that they were actually using the fact that Cedric had to drop
1: 30 pounds as part of the gimmick. That's what's awesome about the, the, what they did with the Cruiserweight Classic is they made it feel legitimate through that kind right. of stuff. No,
0: I just, I, yeah, I, I think that that's really, I think it was a great decision. I just mean, it, it that does sort of, like limit the amount of crossovers you can have right i was fantasy booking that jericho would go back to the cruiserweight (laughs) division because like three weeks ago he used the lion tamer instead of the walls of jericho and i was just like oh this is a sign how great would that be if he was just like i've held this title longer than any of you i'm the original cruiserweight now like give it back or whatever that would be an
1: amazing heel run for him but i i don't i don't know if he would want to do it i think he he worked so hard to escape Oh, yeah, label? but at this point,
0: anything Jericho does is the most is the most the fun thing on the show. Yeah. By the way, credit to Jericho for putting pants back on.
1: Uh, <laughs> next, So who do you, you think Perkins is going to win? Oh, yeah. I don't, I, th- I don't see there being a title change this soon. Yeah, I think, I think that's probably but right. But Kendrick will probably just like turn on him, and there'll be a, a nice little program for a couple months, and then they'll do a switch on Raw or something. Yeah, I think that's probably about right. Um, Cesaro versus Sheamus,
0: shockingly, <laughs> another match. The- shockingly, this has gone to the full seven. It's a seven, It's a, a best surprise. of seven match.
1: I never would have guessed after it was three nothing that this would By end the way, up being seven. I don't know, seven we, I've never
0: talked about that on the show. That was the worst booking I've ever heard. First, I don't mind it go. It's it starting off as three nothing and then have the run for four. We saw that. I mean, the most legendary in WC. Wait, what, the one, not the um, Booker T and, and and Benoit. Was that did that start off three nothing? No, no I'm thinking I don't about remember the one what it was. before that. Who what? Oh. Anyway,
1: this has happened many times before. Um Ces- Cesaro lost to Sheamus twice before it started. But the
0: crazy thing was that they booked so was it Cesaro's first win came on the non-televised
1: yeah, show. Yeah, the show. Yeah.
0: Why not have him win on the raw before and then have Sheamus win on the untelevised show? So then we get like uh, like the the chance for him to like his first chance to be eliminated is now on, on raw TV where it actually matches. <laughs> <laughs> it, it was absolutely crazy anyway i don't know the, i don't want to distract from the fact that these two guys
1: have good chemistry and they they've been having really really good matches yeah. and like it's just contrived this is a sort of gimmick that you can't do in this way with an older audience that's seen the booker t benoit sure. f- uh, best of seven but and whichever other one that there was we can't remember
0: yeah you know the um no i mean you're you're totally right the uh but but I think that there's there's ways in which all a lot of these storylines can play to different audiences at different you know in different ways. And I think that uh if you want if we want to keep giving WWE advice, like you know, on I mean they they may be doing stuff like this, I don't know, but you have the network like on Saturday or Friday or Thursday or whatever, all of all six of the matches should just be press play on one thing and you see them in sequence. Yep. Right? None not like you don't have to search them out. There's no I don't want a video package. I want all six of these matches. I want to sit down for like
1: 45 minutes and just watch these two guys go. Yeah. And see the, 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 Maybe some moves voiceover over back. or something. Yeah, that'd be great. Like to have analysis of, Oh, this is that moment where Seamus starts working on the shoulder again or whatever. Like those sorts of psychology things that a lot of wrestling fans sort of know about, but don't really, um, it'd be great. I would love that, but they're never going to do that. Uh, this is, that's too much. That's too much like sports. Yeah. Um, uh, maybe. I don't think that's that hard. I mean, I think it's really weird when they, a really weird, it would be a really weird. There are things that are not hard that they just choose not to do. We've been watching this this product long enough to know that there are some things where it's just like Vince doesn't like it. Vince doesn't like tournaments, so they don't do tournaments anymore. There's all kinds of things that just don't really, that no one wants to do, that there's just a lack of will. Um, but f- as for this match, I mean, I, we know who's going over. There's no question he's going over Cesaro is going over you think so yes and Cesaro is the next guy in line for Rusev. <laughs> I would have thought that Ziggler was going to win on Tuesday night
0: man um but yeah I think that's I, I think I think that
1: you I think you got to go you got to hope for Cesaro right as, yeah as Cesaro gr- Rusev is a logical next step uh, for both guys because Reigns is not going to win that belt what a waste of of that belt it would be on Roman Reigns. Somebody, somebody said that
0: the—I uh, mean, somebody just uh, like offhandedly said that they would that they assumed that Reigns was going to win, and that they would have a unit—not a unification, but a champ versus champ match at the next mm. pay per view. Unification—that'd be hilarious if they just did more and more unifications, though. <laughs> Um after inventing all these belts it's like, oh, we don't need all these. It's just a never end, it's like the Sneeches. Do you remember that Dr. Seuss book where it's just mm-hmm. the never-ending cycle of like taking belts apart and putting them back together.
1: Remember when the 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 World Heavyweight Championship was merged with the IC title and there was no IC title on Raw? Oh yeah. That was a, a ludicrous moment in in professional wrestling history. Um all right, next match. Uh we just talked about it. Roman Reigns versus Rusev. This is a tough one to book, um, because y- you're, you're building up Rusev as a monster heel. Yeah, you're building up Roman Reigns as a resilient babyface. Yeah, and he's obviously and, still considered one of like the one B to Seth Rollins's one A. And they don't. E- I mean, and they've been fighting. Like, I mean, they hate each other. And there's only one clean victory in this entire feud, and that's Roman Reigns pinning him in a non-title match on Raw, right, with a spear. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, uh,
0: and we and we are we were the last time they fought at a pay per view. It was a like thirty second schmazz, schmazz non, yeah. no, non fin, no finish. So it's hard to imagine that they would. Uh, it's, it's not impossible to imagine. I guess choice A would be like a legitimate ten, twelve minute match that then go, then goes to a no decision, right?
1: Going to hit each other with chairs a million times sure. or something. Um this it, it's just it would go against um I think the, the tenets of the of the the industry, the storytelling tenants, to never have a, a blow off. Someone's gotta go over. Someone's gotta Highlander uh, quickening transfer their power to the other guy. So so the answer is either Rusev Rusev wins.
0: I'm just fantasy booking. The answer seems to be either Rusev wins with the with some sort of outside interference from whoever Roman Reigns is going to feud with next, right? Mm-hmm. Bray Wyatt appears in the ring. It's not going to be Bray, but this is the Bray Wyatt. <laughs> this is spot. the Bray Wyatt memorial pay per view spot. Or Roman Reigns wins. And then maybe like quickly drops the title back to Rusev on Raw because of a similar situation. Sure, like he he wins, he challenges for, the, for he challenges Kevin Owens for then he he gets the the big title match, and then somehow just you know does away with the belt. Or maybe they do do champion versus champion, and then he has to relinquish the U.S. title. Although I don't know what that does for the U.S. title, but maybe maybe it helps it. I don't know. So anyway, if you had to pick, yeah, just I'm not talking about. Interference, disqualification, anything like that, Who was, whose hand will be raised at the end of Sunday night?
1: I think the person who has the most to gain from this is Rusev. It is not Roman Reigns. Roman Reigns will be the most overheel on Raw no matter what. He'll yeah. get the biggest uh, anti-pop of anybody, win or lose. And honestly, every time he loses, there are more people who are cheering for him like it gets to be a little bit better every single time he lays down clean for someone. Losing to Finn Balor, losing semi clean to Kevin Owens is creating this sort of underdog narrative for him that I think is going to be beneficial down the line if they do decide he's he's going back up. Yeah. So right. I think he I think he loses either with Lana interference or just he he loses um, you know with feet on the ropes I, or handful of tights or something. I think I'm just gonna, just to be contrary I'm going to say Roman Reigns is going to win.
0: If I were the if I were on the booking team, I think I would have the match quick like within five or six minutes devolve into like hitting each other with chairs outside the ring. Foley comes in restarts the match like we're not going to end this with a DQ. And then, and then after five or six more minutes, Rusev again just like just, or in this time it's like if Rusev gets disqualified, he loses the title. And at some point, Rusev just says, "I don't care," and just beats Roman Reigns with a chair for like five minutes, loses the belt, and walks off, says like, "I don't need the belt." Like that's how I book. That's not a bad way to do it. Um, anyway, so Sami Zayn versus Chris Jericho in weird like a the the sneaky like great match on the card. It's gonna
1: be it's gonna be good, but not as good as I think we expect cuz Jericho's lost a couple steps. Jer- I'm sure he would admit like, I would like I years
0: ago years ago said that Jericho Punk at WrestleMania was going to be like the Savage steamboat on that card. I mean it did that was the spot it was filling. Yeah. but it like just as watching that and how many years ago was that? Five, four,
1: 4 5 4, four or 5 yeah. Watching that match in real time I was just like yeah that's not Chris Jericho anymore. He's he's a step slower. Uh, and it's it's not sad to watch in the way that like watching Macho Man the last few years of his career sure. was sad to watch. Um. But he's not there. He's not to, at the point where he can go full speed against Sami Zayn. But it'll be a good match. It'll be lots of interesting psychology, I'm sure. Yeah, and it'll be interesting to see how it sort of
0: sets up the the path forward. I mean, I don't think the the winner loser doesn't matter quite as much. But like, this is the, the the most interesting thing about this match, and it's a great. It's just a great job of booking where like both of these guys are championship match adjacent mm-hmm. you know and like it's and to see where they and to see how this plays into that is the most interesting part yeah they're I, dudes
1: who have nothing going on but they make sense together yeah uh i think you got i, I pick sammy zane what do you think i'm going the other way i'm going jericho because right. i think this is something that has legs that that highlight reel segment that they did had that sort of like fake shoot aspect to yeah. it that they're really ramping up on on both shows and I think that there's a lot of ground that they can cover. Bringing in Kevin Owens, taking him out, having all kinds of callbacks to NXT, or to Jericho's career, or to Sami Zayn's love of Chris Jericho when he was coming up. There's just so much fertile ground, sure. storytelling ground that you have to keep this going. So I see nefarious deeds for Chris Jericho and I, a victory. I think that if this is going
0: to, uh, I think if this is going to have legs, you're right. Maybe then, then Jericho winning is a good idea. Um, I could see it going either way, though. So I'm going to stick with Zayn. Next, Charlotte versus
1: Sasha versus Bailey, the triple threat for the Raw Women's Championship. So if I had to pick someone for this match, even though it seems like there's a lot of possibilities, the only one that makes sense to me is is Sasha winning. Um, Bailey, it's too soon. Charlotte's run its course uh, as her as a champion. I think they only switched the belt at SummerSlam because they thought that Sasha had a, a bad back injury. Uh, so now, whatever their plan was before that, they can go back to it. Let Charlotte and Dana have their weird feud.
0: I don't know what they're doing. And part of that, and that's not a knock. It's a it's a, it's a compliment. I mean, it does, they hype every, they hype all of these matches up as giant moments where it's like, I really thought that, and that's because they're trying to give this esteem to the women's division, which it deserves. And they're doing that for the right reasons. And I'm not knocking it, but it does seem like like I thought when Sasha dropped the belt, that we were gonna have a six month, we we're gonna have a run all the way to WrestleMania for chasing the belt. Now it feels like if we see if Charlotte wins again, despite Sasha being so close, we've seen we've seen Charlotte do this before, right? Right. Uh, you're right that it's too soon for Bailey, but like, I mean, it's it's a it's a three way. So I mean, I guess anybody could win in a very kind of schmozzy way. Mm-hmm. Dana Brooke is obviously going to be involved to some extent. They could go a lot of different directions with this. I, I agree. Um, we were talking about Nia Jax earlier, and I and the, now looking at thinking about this match, I don't think it, I don't think Nia Jax is in the main event for at least for another month because if either of the babyfaces win, there's a rematch. There's a you know we got to kind of get them clear of this ex- this existing
1: feud. Yeah, and she can't she can't lose. That's the thing is Nia Jax. Once she loses, where does her heat go? So she can't work with anybody that's that important because she's going to have to take a pinfall.
0: One of the really interesting things to me about them booking her as a monster, and I think, I hope it doesn't blow up in their face. You know, I mean, that's just the trajectory of every monster heel that's come before. Right. Uh, You know, you're better off booking... You know, I mean, like, look, I'm, 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 I can't think of the right example, but, for, but, but, but an example is like Ryback. After his giant monster push at the beginning, he kind of found a spot as just a regular wrestler who happened to look like really intimidating, you know? Yeah. And he could eat a pen and it was okay. Um, they got to figure out a way to transition Nijax into the realm of humanity, though I don't fault them for, for uh, trying
1: to get her all the hype they can. <laughs> you know what they do? Simple. They get Kevin Nash to shock her with the cattle prod. Oh, yeah. <laughs> all right, I'm all in on that. <laughs> that think That's a terrible idea. I, I don't endorse you know that at all. I
0: think it is a terrible idea. You're right. Um, next we have. So wait, your pick is Sasha. Yeah, I have to pick. I'm, oof, uh, I'm. I'm conflicted. We got. We got the gravity of history on one side, and my inability to really see a way out of this uh, on the other. I'm just going to take a flyer on Bailey. Wow. Uh, it's. It's. It would be. It's. It's not. I feel like that would get. Approved and creative, and then shot down because of the the, in, the the significance of this title belt, or the the you know the the desired significance of the title belt. We want to keep it on Charlotte for a longer period of time, but I don't know. She I'm, had
1: the belt for almost a year, if you count the the Divas title. Yeah, I mean like, or if maybe it was a full year. It's it's run its course. Move on, but not Bailey, because the, there's money in Bailey getting it at, at a later date and yeah. dragging that out. That's my opinion. I could be wrong. Um all right. New Day versus uh versus Gallows and Anderson? Well, first of all, this is going to be the, the match where I go use the bathroom. Cause I just think they've really botched the the build up to this. These At are two teams rare- that I like too. I like both of these teams and I just don't care about the story. Rarely do you see um rarely do you see a decision
0: to change the booking made into this like brought into the booking but when the new day came out and we're just like you remember when you guys were funny for the past several weeks that's sucks. That, yeah <laughs> that was not good that was a waste of everybody's time and then uh anderson and gallows came out and the announcers were like yeah they just they they really like that really made them
1: mad and now they're back to the old gallows and anderson it was very weird i think they handled it uh, very well but there still is the stench of death on this whole program so my desire is for Gallows and Anderson to win the belts let the New Day sort of refresh themselves a bit because their act as the champions is getting a bit stale yeah and uh, find something else for them to do Um, you think Gallows and Anderson should win then yeah and then have them work with Enzo and Cass yeah because you can't do Enzo and Cass versus the New Day there's just too much wackiness going on I think it
0: would be the easiest booking in the world to have Gallows and Anderson win even if it's in a sketchy fashion and have the New Day come out on Monday or the Monday after that and just say like we're being inspired by our loss and one of us is going to be the next WWE champion and just go
1: from there. You uh, th- know, that would be great. Move them up. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's time for them to function as a faction as opposed to, you know, freebird rules kind of yeah. thing. I like that. That's, that would be an ideal sort of thing to use that heat and their in ring ability in the upper levels of the card instead of having them work with these sort of tag teams that aren't on their level. And everybody's, I mean, I, I had this conversation on Monday
0: night, but like, you know, people always ask which one of them is, gonna, is the, is the champion, like who has the champion. And, and the interesting thing is I think you can make the case for all of them. And part yeah. of that is, I mean, they all have different skill sets. And I think Big E probably, Biggie probably gets the most votes uh, from people that I talk to um but Xavier's got—he's a very, very gifted talker and performer, and and Kofi. I think Kofi's actually the sleeper candidate. I mean, I think he—you he, could slot him into a title match, especially against someone like Rollins uh, or Kevin Owens, really, really seamlessly. Absolutely, yeah. Um, and, the, and all three of them are very good workers. Too. But but I think that the 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 real answer is it doesn't matter. That if it's like if it, it's like the actual Fabulous Freebirds where. Uh, Michael P.S. Hayes is working a title match and his two buddies are outside. Well, like it doesn't matter that Michael Hayes is your third choice for who who deserves the title on the Freebirds, you
1: know? Because the heat is evenly distributed. Yeah. I don't think that's the case with Enzo and Cass where without Enzo, Cass is just a big dude with a Mm -hmm. catchphrase. Uh, All three of those guys are equally as over and equally as talented. Wait, are Enzo and Cass versus uh, the Shining Stars not on this card? I don't... I'm sure it's going to be a pre-show match. Because if Nia Jax versus uh, Alicia Fox is the only pre-show match, and it's uh, three minutes or five minutes or whatever, uh, if that... Maybe
0: they're just going to hold it in reserve in case, you know... Like like Randy Orton's concussion is contagious and somebody else can't <laughs> go for the pay-per-view. I shouldn't make light of concussions. Yeah, good point. We got to get out of here. One more match, Kevin Owens versus Seth Rollins for the WWE Universal Championship.
1: There is only one thing that I think you can guarantee about this match, and it is that Triple H will be involved.
0: Wow. That's actually really bold. I think that by we've talked about wrestling logic a few times in the show. Judging by wrestling logic, 100% I agree with you. Judging by the really bizarre itinerant schedule of the WWE Legends, uh I and the fact that the, the Triple H's involvement was pre was necessitated by by Finn getting hurt. Yeah. That I could see them just throw just saying like we're just going to throw Triple H out there and just and no future plans for him. Like we'll just wait for that to come back around later. Um
1: I think that by lot but logically you're right. I I I would side with you there. I think that's the best case scenario. I don't actively want to see Triple H be a part of this angle. Um but they talk about it enough.
0: You're right. They, they it has come up a million times and Stephanie's sort of uh equivocation about whether
1: about her involvement. Um yeah. what is what are his motives? Why did he do he hasn't had that 20-minute long Raw promo that opens the show where he's screaming into the mic about... Hey, listen, I was waiting for that after Kevin Owens won. I wanted that promo. So maybe I'll get it a week next Monday. You probably will. I think that he's going to get involved. There's going to be um, shenanigans of some kind. And Kevin Owens is going to win because it's just, again, too soon. As someone who knows wrestling you can kind of tell when there's going to be a title change. And I think we both like to be surprised. Yeah. But more often than not, we are not yeah. surprised. no, no I,
0: I think that you're totally right. And I think the part of the, part of the heat, part of the stink that Ron's has to get off of him before he is fully embraced as the champ. I mean, as the, as the baby face of the, of the show, um, is the stink of him holding a title that he really didn't deserve for a really long period of time. No deserve. I'm talking about deserve kayfabe, right. um, But but for the average fans, the fans that aren't necessarily whooping his every his every move, um, those fans. I mean, there are a lot of fans who are just not Seth Rollins fans. Like he was just too he was too good of a heel for too long of a time, and I think putting the title back on him would revert to a. It would seem more like a reversion to to, you know to 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 course or
1: whatever. Yeah, and also let's you know think about. To his two Shield buddies and when they won the title. So Roman Reigns wins the belt. He's already really kind of not popular and you see the machinations of the writing staff of like, he's the guy, let's build him up as the guy and then the audience really just t- turns on him completely because they know he's not an underdog. He is the anointed one. Dean Ambrose wins the belt at Money in the Bank and slowly but surely he gets to the point where he's being booed at Backlash against... Uh, arguably a really strong heel in AJ Styles if Seth Rollins wins the title on Sunday you're going to see that sort of dissipation of his heat because I think that the audience responds the most to the idea of the underdog the guy or 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 woman who is not um, fated in the stars to be the best which is why Kevin Owens gets a uh, you-deserve-it chant after he wins a belt, or Becky Lynch, or all these people that are quote-unquote underdogs. And Seth Rollins has to build that that credibility up. Yeah, I think that's totally right.
0: Um, it's interesting that like we're kind of three weeks into the Seth Rollins babyface experiment, but we but we spent so much of this episode talking about it. I mean, Monday night was just the the babyface turn. Mm-hmm. I mean, from the beginning of the show, but but climaxing in that the the big save in the cage match, you know? I mean, like, that's, um, that's as baby face as it gets. I, and I was actually watching that beatdown thinking, like, like, I mean, Roman Reigns doesn't have any friends, right? I mean, it's, that's, like, the, yeah. that's the, that's, the, that's the, the most interesting part. And Seth Rollins, of all people, saves him. Yeah. I mean, it, Mick it, Foley, Mick Foley made a joke earlier in the show about how Roman Reigns got, gets booed, right? I yeah. mean, that, like, that was, I was wondering if they were just going to really go down that path. Um... But yeah, it's a. Uh, it, it was interesting to, for Seth to do that, and I guess we'll have, there'll be some there'll probably be some drama that that spills out from that. Yeah. Anyway, um, Magnum Magnum T A versus Nikita Koloff was the best of seven series that I was thinking. Okay, good, good, well <laughs> worth watching on the network. Absolutely, those guys, yeah. and that was I think right before the car crash. Watch that instead of talking smack this week.
1: Not that talking smack is uh, not talking great. Talking smack is the but best. But watch
0: wrestling here. Talking smack is doing a good job of being a different thing right, than the other product right. that you don't have to watch every week. Now. Uh, I'm sorry, Renee Young, if you're listening to this she's show. She's great. great. Daniel Bryan is great. I yeah. would watch. I would watch. I would watch that if they just like told me what happened on Raw every week. <laughs> I would. If it was like Sports Center, I would just like fill me in. So I'd you be don't have in. to watch Raw. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I might still watch Raw. I'm just saying. Okay, you know, if, they, if there are sure. op- various ways to you do you it. Got one week where it's just like I'm not going to watch Raw. Yeah, I guess I could always do Hulu. Uh, listen. WWE Network, not Hulu, is showing this pay-per-view this weekend. So watch it. So we'll have something to talk about next week. And uh, Dave, thank you so much for stopping by. You're very welcome. Um, If anybody goes to the event and they have T-shirts celebrating Kevin Owens' inevitable victory on Sunday, just (laughs) just don't you don't even have to tweet me. Just nod and smile and say the masked man thought of that. Send him one. He would love a free one. Oh yeah, I should I should probably get the prototype. Absolutely. Um, Anyway, enjoy Clash of Champions. Enjoy your weekend before Clash of Champions Get to get out of the house, do something fun And and forget about the fact that there's a wrestling pay-per-view on every day Enjoy your life Enjoy your life, humanoids